All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. going on everybody how you doing welcome back to the infinite fringe right here on aftermath.fm and we're gonna take this over to iconic as well hope everybody's doing well my name is billy ray valentine Gle greetings and blessings to all of you as usual uh thank you for being here you could be anywhere else in the world but you're here with me right now have a very special guest on with us ladies and gents you you, you hear his his cough maybe yeah. maybe Maybe you'll be able to figure out who it is just based on his cough. He has such a distinct voice. Uh, Mr. Clyde Lewis, Ground Zero. How Thank are you, you, sir? What is going I'm, on? I'm, Welcome. Welcome I'm to your maiden voyage you. here on the Infinite Fringe. What's up, sir? Thank you. I, I'm sorry I coughed. It's just that oh. we're, we're living in pollen days here. And so, uh, you know, every time you get a tickle or a sniffle or a cough, you're thinking, COVID. COVID. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no, I'm fine. I'm doing well. And, uh, I'm glad I'm on with you, Billy Ray. It's good to be a part of this today. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you made the time. I'm, I'm uh, thank you to Ron. Thank you to you for making the time and coming on and talking to me for just a little bit. I have sure. a little bit of a tickle in my throat, and, and immediately, immediately, the COVID rumors started around my household. But I was like, nope, nope. easy, we're good. No, it's not you, COVID. You, you down the Zyrtec. You just go in. <laughs> this is what I do. Whenever I feel the tickle go on, down the yeah. Zyrtec, down the vitamin D, down the yeah. zinc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I even boil water and put peppermint in it, and I just inhale the steam until my nose hairs melt. That's and dope. Then, and then I'm think, I think to myself, hey, I think I'm beating this. I All really right. think I'm beating this. Right, right. I'm just kidding myself, right? No, no, I've been fine. I mean, it's been like, what, the whole year, and I'm just racing against herd immunity. Uh, I mean, I am, because it's like <laughs> I don't want to get the vaccine. But, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'll... I'll relent, but in the meantime, I'm, I'm just kind of like laying low, kind of putting the mask on, kind of not putting the mask on, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. being, you know, a little cool, a little chill. Right. But uh, no, it's just it's just been difficult, especially the mental state of this country right now, which is close to psychopath, close to sociopath when it comes to the mask. So that's how I'm. I'm well, I, I've never seen anything like it, right? In 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 the in the in the time that I've been alive, I'm here in New York City. Oh. I'm out of the Bronx. And, um, you know, New York's I mean, awesome. That's the thing. I love New York. So. I love New York, too. It's fantastic. Well, next time you're around, hit me up, man. Um, oh, it's I love open it. We go do a hot dog together. I always, I always make sure the two things I do when I go to New York. I get a hot dog and I go to the Czechoslovakian pizza place on 42nd and I get a, a slice of pizza. It's like 99 cents or a buck 99. My, uh, my uh, stepson, Liam, loved it. He loved getting uh, some Brooklyn-style pizza there. So it was really awesome. That's fantastic. Um, I've never had Czechoslovakian pizza, but I'm, I'll be sure to check that off they, next they time really well, well <laughs> it's italian pizza but it's done by czechoslovakia <laughs> all right cool so, i mean like, you try speaking italian to a czechoslovakia he goes huh he doesn't know what you're saying 
<laughs> so, anyway, so, so that's you know, New York. Let, that's why I love it. Yeah, I know, man. It, it, it's dope, man. It, it, it was fantastic for a long. I mean, New York, I've been some places. I've been fortunate enough to be in some places around the world. And every time I come back to New York, there's nothing like it, you know. But um, I saw it transform, you know, in, in the past year. It, it's a it different Cuomo. place than what I remember. Um, yeah. But we're slowly opening up here, but under, you know, under the under the gun of the vaccine, everybody is being pushed to take this thing. I mean, it's a yeah. hard push. Um, they're in, trying to incentivize it. They're trying to say, hey, listen, we'll give you a hundred dollar gift certificate if you take it or it's absolutely free or we'll give you a, a Dunkin Donuts donut. You know, literally get a prize with that. Right. right, they get a right. Bowl of soup with that. You know, right. I think it's right. sick. I think it, I think there's something suspicious about like Ohio's offering a million dollar lottery or they're offering, uh, you know, college tuition or what have you. I think something is really suspicious about uh, incentivizing like that for a vaccine. Um, and and uh, that should say something about just how much people are, are uh, they're hesitant, they're trepidatious about it. And the reason why is because they don't know what's in it and they have every right to be trepidatious. They have every right to be um, kind of uh, worried about Russian roulette when it comes to their health. And that's what really annoys me is that, you know, people are making decisions on their own, but then these guys that, are, that have agendas say, well, just give a million dollars to somebody who gets one or pay them a hundred dollars. It's like now we have to incentivize people to go to work. Right. That's the thing that's also weird is that, hey, I'll pay you $50 if you interview at McDonald's. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like, well, what kind of country am I in right now where yeah. people don't want to work and we have to incentivize to get people to put poison in their bodies. It's, it's just insane. I, I get it. I get it. And, um, yeah. you know, um, you would think that, you know, with this vaccine, it's a, it's a life-saving vaccine, quote unquote, supposedly. You would think people would be lining up down the block to get it, right? And, and you right. wouldn't have to incentivize people right. to, to take this thing. But apparently uh, that's not the case. There, there are enough people outside of what it is that you and I do. That, uh, you know, people that listen to what you would do or what I would do, they're hip to some of this stuff. You know, they already know right. some of the stuff that's going on. But, you know, uh, it's crossed over, I would say, just a little bit because the vaccine itself, you know, it's only about, uh, I don't know, five months, eight months old or something like this. Like nobody knows what the hell it's going to do to you moving right. forward, you know, and uh, people are, are you know, um, understandably skeptical of this whole deal. You know, so they, they don't want to take these things, you know. So, I mean, but but the incentive, uh, the incentive is there now. They're trying to get people now. now let me, I'll, I'll share a story with you. Um, my wife can't go back to work into the actual physical building unless she gets vaccinated. See, and that's wrong, too. I, I, I think that's wrong, too. It's like right. if I were to sit you down, Billy Ray, and say, OK, I'm going to get you a glass of milk okay. and I'm gonna put a little bit of poison in that. It's not enough to kill you, but it's just enough to get into the body. And every time I sit you down, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to drink, give you a glass of milk, a little bit of poison. And you say, well, I don't drink this anymore. I'll pay you $150 to have that glass of milk mm. with a little poison in it. And people go, okay. Because you know why? They're, they're capitalizing on the, on, the, on the fact that, you know, Americans are getting poorer. They have to pay more now. It's usually $200 for a shopping cart at a, at a store. Now it's going to be $400 for a shopping cart. We have a chicken shortage. We have a pork shortage. We're getting shortages of, of lumber and raw materials. And the thing is, is that no one understands, you know, just how a scarcity economy is going to operate because they've never had to experience it. However, scarcity economies have been around since Marx, since Karl Marx. Right. And it basically what it is, is the idea that once we can get people poor enough 
And once we can level them down to the point where they're desperate enough and keep them at the point of starvation, they'll do anything yeah. to get beyond that. And that's something that Orwell wrote about. That's something that if you read the, the annals of, uh, uh, of uh, Emmanuel Goldstein in 1984, the book by George Orwell, you'll see that the, the, the idea of keeping populations on the brink of starvation is the ingenious plan to keep people working and to keep people you know, uh, making money. And the problem is, is they broke that rule when they when they gave people the the basic incomes. And and so people were saying, wow, I'm making more money doing this than I am working. I'm not going to go to work. Well, cut that stuff off and look what happens. Tell people they can't own stuff and look what happens. And that is going to be what the Great Reset is about. They're talking about this Great Reset. And what they're saying is, is they says you'll own nothing. and You'll be happy. Well, what's going to what's going to motivate you? Right. If you have nothing or if you if you'll own nothing, own nothing and you're renting everything, what's going to motivate you? And that's the problem. That's why you get a lot of countries that do this type of thing. They give you, you know, the basics and and then they they incentivize you with just a little bit of income and 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 you're you're fine. As long as I got my needs met, I'm fine. But that that stops progress and that's why you see countries that look poorer or they're not as advanced. But the advancements only go to the rich. The advancements only go to the, techno the technocrats. And, and so that's what you see is you see a technocratic society where those that are involved with technologies, those are involved with engineering, those are involved with computers, those involved with all that stuff, they thrive, okay? Yeah. Um, but other people don't. People who have skilled labor, they don't. People who have to do other jobs, they don't. Uh, what they call essential workers, they're basically, I mean, if you look at the hierarchy, you look at something like, and I was just talking about this the other night with Fritz Lang's uh, metropolis so that movie they said they had the thinkers and then they had the workers and if you're a thinker you're going to succeed if you're a worker you're going to succeed but if you're a worker you're going to work extra hard to get that to get that money that you want or you're not going to get it at all and yet you're still going to work because you have nothing else to do right no it makes a lot of sense man um i want to get your thoughts on a couple of the things you said there maybe we'll we'll circle back to um to COVID in just a sec. I, I don't want to leave that because I want your thoughts on it. But you talked about the technocracy. And uh, this mm -hmm. is a, a, uh, a subject that's uh, close to my heart because in all actuality, I am at a loss right now. I don't see a way out of this. For, for and I, I'm not saying that there isn't a way out of this. I, and I would love for somebody to clue me in. But I, I, I'm not seeing a way out of, you know, um, I, I want to find a balance between technology and humanity. I'd love to find that. I don't know where that line is, or I don't know if we can even go back to it because we're far on the other side. now. We're all right. the way on the technology side. And, uh, you know, the, a technocracy is, is a society ruled by, you know, scientists pretty much, you know, that, that that's what it is. And you can go back to somebody like Bill Gates, even though I don't think that he's very qualified, but people look at this guy as, as an authority figure or, or an Elon Musk, you know, people like that. These are technocrats, right? Uh, Joe Biden isn't necessarily a technocrat. He's an agent of some sort, you know, for, right. for these people or anybody who's holding that office for that matter. But I, right. think, I think we're in trouble. Um, what do you think of, of, techno of the state that we find ourselves in with technology right now? Now, there are a lot of benefits, right? There's a lot of benefits to technology, and I, I, I love them and I embrace them. But where is too far? Have we gone too far? Can we go back? Go ahead, sir. Too far is plugging into the system. Too far is transhumanism. Too far is taking this screen and have it attached to your hand hmm. 
Um, and, and, you know, I have to admit, I use this. Everybody of uses course. it. Everybody, nothing with their cell phones. But they've got us so trained now that it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. for people to break away from that cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have actually said they have no, no, no cell phone days where they actually put their cell phone away or no TV days or, or no uh, video game days. But see, they've got us so trained to be a part of basking in that blue screen. I would say enough is too much when you're finding yourself losing your humanity. And I think we already have. And I think I just did a show last night with Ryan Gable about algorithms. Mm. And I said the algorithms basically keep pushing you into a direction where you're hearing your own echo chamber, where uh, it continues to give you information that, that and they don't, it doesn't give you any other information except the information you want to hear. Mm. And so that's why people say, I speak my truth. Well, your truth is basically an algorithmic uh, falsehood that you don't, you don't get to see the other side of the story. And, and that's the problem is that I think too many people, if you start hearing talking points uh, that, that sound like they come from the mainstream media, they come from someone else, you have to really, really worry about it, I think. No, I think you're absolutely right. You got to start worrying about it. But how much of the alternative media is already there, right? It is already there. I mean, there's certain people that listen to certain people. And I know a lot of people listen to me. But I try to be as balanced as I can. Uh, but I hear a lot of other stuff come to me that I'm thinking, where did you come up with that? And I know a lot of people are putting... <laughs> Pushing agendas that I've never right. even heard of before. They're kind of bizarre. And that's the thing that's really kind of, uh, I think, uh, hard to deal with. What are your thoughts on, um, and, and this all is going to circle, circle back to the technocracy, because ultimately, uh, I, I want to ask you about Cambridge Analytica. But ultimately, um, Cambridge was able to harvest all their information from, you know, uh, social media sites that wouldn't be possible <coughs> unless the technology allowed that to be possible. And we, uh, right. as, as uh, the products, right, we're the products of, uh, of all this free platforms that we get to put all our information up there. We throw it all up right. there and we say, here you go. You know, I mean, we're not giving it to Facebook, but we want Facebook or TikTok or, or Twitter or whatevs, right? Um, fill in the blank. We put it up there and was like, this is what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm eating at the diner or, or uh, here's me and my friends, you know, and here's me getting the vaccine or whatever. Here's whom I endorse politically. And all this information goes somewhere, right? And then they sell it to the highest bidder. And uh, uh, Cambridge Analytica had 5,000 data points on every American as a result of it. And we're able to manipulate minds. That's my, right. uh, that's my take on it. Give me your take on Cambridge and what it's done, right? Uh, as far as the alternative media goes, but as far as the American psyche goes because everybody's crazy right now. And I think uh, we can trace a lot of it back to uh, entities like Cambridge. Go ahead. Sir. I think Cambridge Analytica is just basically a mining operation. They mine data and they're actually using the algorithms to put people into situations where they make us more tribal and more divided. Right. And, uh, and it also, I believe, uh, manipulates elections. And uh, because, you know, people believe the polls, people believe they, they hear that their candidates doing horribly and they switch sides or, they do. I mean, it, the algorithm in the computer is basically changing our politics and changing the way we view them. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it just seems to make us more divided and more uh, crazy. What is, what, how do we how do we step back from it? Right. I, is the, I think the genie's out of you the can't. bottle. Right. You can't. You, step out okay. of it, no. you can't put toothpaste back into a tube. It's kind of difficult. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. That's a hell of an analogy. I'm going to yeah. try that one day and see if it works. Just I'll spend all day trying to put toothpaste back into a into a, you know, into its container probably won't work. But, uh, but right. we both agree that the genie's out of the bottle. You can't put it back in. Psychological warfare is a thing now. I believe this is the new, it's not new, but I think it's just more evident to us now 
that uh, this is the way we're going to be manipulated, right? So what do we do? Right. We can't put it back in the bottle. We can at least uh, inform people, right, that this right. is what's going on. But but what what? And I and I know you don't have an answer to this, like per se. Nobody does. It's not about you. It's, uh, nobody really has an answer to this. But what would you think? How can we push back on this? You can't. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're looking for an answer. My answer, you can't. You can't. I mean, you can't unless you get rid of the company, unless you get rid of the data mining, unless you get rid of all of it. We've already we've already become slaves to the algorithm right. and we've already become slaves to the blockchain. Damn. And like I say, I think we need to rush to find a, a, an organic singularity before we find the uh, the singularity itself. And and I think that that's the whole quest is to find the singularity and find the the controller, which would be the computer. People want to plug in. They want to get a tattoo that's going to say they can use biometrics to get into a club or use biometrics to prove that they've had their vaccine or all these other things that are that are coming. And, you know, we can avoid governmental controls. We can avoid, uh, you know, the reset if we want to tell these people, hey, we don't want you to bother our sovereignty. And of course, there's wars and everything we can fight. But the truth of the matter is, is the reason why everybody went to lockdown as fast as they did was because of the algorithm. Algorithms put us in this position where we we heard that everything was going to kill us, and so to avoid being killed, we stayed in our houses. Yeah, uh, we weren't told that you know COVID nineteen is survivable. We weren't told that uh, most of the people that died from it were like 72, 73 years of age. We weren't told any of these things. Right, and it's because the algorithm kept pushing what they what the algorithm thought we needed to hear, and we needed to hear the deaths. We needed to hear uh, that that people were throwing up blood in the streets of China. Right now, they want to tell us, I mean, even the algorithms were working just as hard as the virus to convince us to continue to wear the masks, that people in India are dropping dead, that, that we have no hope. And it's because many of us pay dearly. We would pay a lot of money, and this is the truth. People pay, for a, pay a lot of money for things they already know. You pay for things that you already believe, Billy Wright. Right. Think about that for a moment. The things you put in the internet, the money that you pay out, the Bitcoin you buy, everything you do is because you're paying for what you already know. You're paying for what you already believe. And that's what the algorithm believes too. The algorithm tells you, hey, here's something. I mean, look, I'm wearing a Swamp Thing t-shirt on right. your show right now. Okay, you see the Swamp <laughs> Thing t-shirt. Right. Because, well, the Swamp Thing is the DC version of the Toxic Avenger. And I do the voice of the Toxic Avenger. But that's a Marvel thing. So my wife can't find a Toxie t-shirt that'll fit me because I'm a big guy. So she gets me a Swamp Thing t-shirt. Right. So what happens is she gets me a Swamp Thing t-shirt. I see other t-shirts on Facebook that are really cool that I buy. And I'm becoming addicted to buying these shirts because I just love having horror movie t-shirts or t-shirts that have cute little sayings on them and stuff. And I collect them and I have a whole closet full of them. Nice. And the reason why is because the algorithm keeps pushing me towards buying this type of stuff. Right. Because it sees me buy it. It sees me buy this and it thinks, well, here's something you may want to buy, like a Godzilla litho lithograph or a horror movie lithograph or the collection of Alfred Hitchcock movies or whatever. I don't need these things, but the algorithm tells me, hey, buy them. Yeah. And I probably will buy them or I still make a discerning choice. Same with information. You can say one day you're going to look at something that would be considered liberal. And so they're pushing all this liberal stuff onto you and it changes your mind. Or you're saying you're reading something that may be on a conservative paper, and so they feed you with more conservative things because the algorithm thinks that this is how you lean. And so what we have is we have the reinforcement of the cancel culture. We have reinforcement of 
Black Lives Matter. We have the reinforcement of Antifa. We have the reinforcement of anything other than Antifa and Black Lives Matter is considered a terrorist organization. Anything that, and so that's what the, that's what it's, that's what happened with Q. QAnon was a self-organized collective intelligence op. And it's obvious it was that because what it did is it fueled the same conspiracy theories and ideas that most of these people believe. They believe that all of Hollywood and Washington are pedophiles. Now, I know firsthand that there are a lot of people in Washington that are pedophiles. I know that a lot of people in the business are pedophiles. I mean, I've gone to Hollywood parties because I've been in a lot of movies and I see that young girls parade around there and none of them are of age. A lot of them are not of age. They're not old enough. Wow. And so you kind of walk away from these parties going, I don't want to be a part of this because I right. know that if the cameras start rolling and you're like sitting there cavorting or, uh, with some girl, you find out that she's underage, you're screwed, right? So right. you don't want to be part of that. So you run away. And I ran away many times. And uh, in fact, I knew Ron Jeremy. And, and now look where Jeremy is. He was, he's in prison now. But Jeremy used to have these parties. And I, and I, and I said to him one time, he was in Portland. And he's, I said, you have any parties you're doing tonight? And he says, none you want to go to, Clyde. I'm going, <laughs> okay, I know what you mean. It's, it's just that you have to be able to say no, okay? No is the big word. You can't put yourself in these compromising positions. But see, that's the thing is that then to just label everybody a pedophile, label everybody a Nazi, label everybody a fascist, it takes the power away from the real fascists. You know, it takes the power away from labeling the real fascists, takes the power away labeling, labeling the real Nazis, and it takes the power away from labeling the real pedophiles and the real offenders. And so these guys are hiding behind the crazy idiots that continue to push these labels that have that they basically are taking the meaning out of try to tell me that someone who's survived the holocaust is going to like the idea that people are throwing the word nazi around they're not you, you tell that to somebody who suffered because of the holocaust what they think nazis are and it's certainly not going to be those bastards that are that are basically calling people like patriot prayer and proud boys nazis it, it just this whole thing is is all about algorithmic division and people have already fall, fallen for it Either you're with us or against us. That's always been the case. But you're either on one side or the other side. There's never an extended middle anymore. And if you want to be like me and be a centrist, you're still being labeled either a Nazi, a fascist, or a white supremacist. When no one's saying, well, what about these guys over here? They're intellectual supremacists, aren't they? Because they believe that they can cancel me. They believe that they can erase me. They believe they can shut me down. And hell, they're pretty successful. Well, what is horrible about this, what is psychopathic about this, is they also shut down people like John Wayne or Kate Smith or someone like that who, like, are dead. And maybe 40, 50 years ago, they, they said something, and, they're, and it's just unforgiving. You can't forgive them. And, you know, if you were to go back, I don't know how old you are, uh, Billy Ray, but if you were to go back 20 years and you were to see some of the things you did 20 years ago, I think you'd cringe. I think you'd go, man, what did I, I couldn't believe I'm that way 20 years ago. I couldn't believe I'm that way. I know me that if I was to go back yeah. 30, 40 years ago or 30 years ago, I'd look at myself in my 20s going, man, I was a binge drinker. I smoked a lot of pot. I went out and I hung out with a lot of hot women, blah, 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 going all this. I was just being promiscuous and crazy and jumping from bed to bed and whatever. And you say to yourself, wow, that was me. 20 years ago yeah. now i've changed now i'm older but the cancel culture doesn't care right. the cancel culture doesn't care that you were that way the cancel culture will say to you well you know you said this once about this or you said something that was questionable or you're doing something that the appropriations would not approve of i don't care you know what i did back then was my growing period and and now that i'm older and i know better 
please let me be myself. Please let me live my life without being reminded of the past sins that I've committed. And that's the problem with the cancel culture. It's psychopathic and it's unforgiving. It's relentless. And show trials and everything else are a part of what happened in the Soviet Union back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. No, um, So uh, that, that's my biggest problem with the cancel culture. And what's my biggest problem with what's going on with the algorithm and the computers? Yes, data mining. It's crazy. Yeah, cancel culture is, is a thing. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it looks like it's going to be around for a long time to come. And it, it wants, uh, it, it makes people out to, to have to be saints, right? Like, I, like 20 years ago, hell man, yesterday, I, I, I probably did something that I'm going to cringe about today. Like, that's just the way things are, right? But, um, yeah. but they'll go back and they'll find something that you did and, and concentrate on it and, and demonize you for it. It's one of the tools that they use for division. Now, as far as the algorithm goes, I think uh, that is the biggest problem that we're facing as a society today. Because it really, it really starts to make you think, are your thoughts even your own? Any of them, any of them. Unfortunately, you know, like while I like to think that I think for myself, I have no freaking idea if I do anymore, if that makes any sense to you, sir. You know, like, like really, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's like sometimes you make choices. You go, why did I make that choice? It's like, I go to this place. I frequent this place all the time. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a bar across town. I don't drink alcohol there, but I drink ginger ales. Okay. Nice. So I go there every day. I have a ginger ale, ginger ale, ginger ale. Bartender, <laughs> ginger ale today, ginger ale today, ginger ale today. Hi, here's your ginger ale. And then one day I decide I want orange juice. And they go, what? And that's the point is that they get the, the computer gets used to what you look at. The computer gets used to what you say, and they want to keep pushing that same information at you. And, and that's the problem. Or it makes choices for you. Say, well, here's something you might like. You know, you like chocolate? Here, here's more chocolate. Um, you like this? Here's here's more of this. If you looked at something on the internet in your search, that algorithm is going to show up one day and it's going to want you to do this. It's going to want you to do something. And you have to make that choice. But most people, they don't make that choice. I mean, I have, uh, and I can say this, my family, uh, we have been, I mean, I've been doing a lot of ordering of food yeah. with Grubhub and DoorDash and things of that nature. Why? Because I've been programmed into staying home, being afraid of my own shadow. And, and so I don't go out and buy food anymore. I order it from Grubhub. And I'm paying more money to do that than I would if I got in my car and drove down to the store and bought it. Right. And, and uh, it's like, it's all for convenience. And they want us to be that way. They want us to just give in to the internet of things. And, and I agree. I'm falling for it too. And I got to get out of the habit. Uh, my wife, she's an Amazon addict. She buys things on Amazon. We get packages all the time. My wife calls me every day. She says, did you check the mail? Did you check the mail? Why? Well, I got a package coming. I got a package coming. My my stepson does the same thing. I got a package coming. So we got packages coming into the house. Some of this stuff I see, I said, what do we need this for? Um, we got other things happening. They're all ordered online, all coming through the mail, all coming through the package system. We don't have to leave the house to do anything. And it's turning out to be convenient, expensive, and it, it troubles me a bit because I just wonder, you know, if this is going to be a habit. This is what they yeah. want you to do. This is, right. They want you to be just dependent on them for everything. Yeah, it's conditioning. It's, it's priming. priming. Right. No, yeah, it's, it's it priming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like um, during COVID. Well, you know what I mean? During the lockdown, during the, the height yeah. of COVID. Um, and yeah. I mean, we're still home, actually, that nobody's gone anywhere here in my household. Yeah. I'm home all the time. My wife's home all the time. My kids are hold- yeah. home all the time. We go out, of yeah. course, but I mean, as far as our day to day, you know, whereas in 2019, we were never home. I was working. She was working. Everybody was all over the place. We'd probably eat out and come back here 
at like nine, 10 at night, go to sleep, right. do it all over again, you right. know? Um, but now we're always here. But during that time, yeah. we became huge Amazon uh, customers. Oh yeah. Just like you said, like, uh, here's another question. Um, you know, I've noticed something and maybe you haven't noticed in your relationship, but the dynamics different with my wife and I and my stepson, yeah. um, the dynamic, it, it, it's not like it's, it's tremendous. It's subtle, meaning that we're told to socially distance. And so we socially distance everywhere, even at home. Sometimes it's like, she doesn't sit by me on the couch anymore. So I, I sit on the couch and she sits over on the other side of the couch. Um, and it's because of programming. I've noticed the subtleties. Um, and it's like, I ask her, I say, is everything okay? Oh yeah, everything's fine, honey. I go, oh, okay. Well, you're just you know, sitting by me. So oh, this is okay. I, I just, I just feel comfortable over here. Mm. And I I'm thinking, you know, but you know, but we're together when we're in bed. See, <laughs> this is what's weird. So we're together, we're in bed, but she doesn't want to sit by me on the couch. Right. And it's because of the programming processes. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's like, I have food paranoia. Okay. I'm a very, I'm, you know, some people have germ paranoia where they don't want to touch each other or talk to each other. or They do the elbow thing and the fist thing, like how Howie Mandel does. I have this food paranoia thing where food could be out for like maybe five minutes and I don't want to touch it because I'm afraid it's got bacteria and it's going to make my stomach hurt. Okay. Um, but I think people are getting uh, social paranoia. And I think that the problem is, and it's like, there was a funny dig I saw today. Megan Kelly uh, was on Twitter and uh, Rachel Maddow had said, I'm having a hard time rewiring my brain to see people wearing, not wearing masks in public because of the vaccines. And Megan Kelly says, our thoughts and prayers go out to you in your time of dilemma. Hmm. And she meant that as a dig, I'm sure. But it's true. People are having a hard time getting back to normal. And a lot of people probably won't even rem remove their masks. They'll wear them and wear them and wear them. And, and, and regardless of whether or not they're told to take them off, they're still going to wear them. Either they think it's because if I take it off, I'll look like I'm politically unsupportive of the tribal whatever, or they're still scared or they're paranoid. And it's because this is the type of programming that needs to be deprogrammed. It's almost like we're in a hand-washing cult. And, and, they, and they figured out how to program people. The silver lining is, is that now we know, or the leaders know, silver lining for these elites, these leaders are, is they know now that they can pull this shenanigan anytime they want to to get the public to fall in line. And it's sad. And and so now we know how much control they have over us. 100%. I agree with that point 100%. And I also want to take it back to, uh, to um, I forgot who was calling for it, but it was a lot of the Trump loyalists calling for martial law towards uh, the end of, uh, of the election because they wanted to, you know, overturn the election. And they were like, well, what we need is martial law. I think Lynn Wood called for it and, yeah. and maybe Rudolph Giuliani. I'm not 100% about Giuliani, but I think Lynn Wood definitely called for martial law and Michael right. Flynn as well, you know, and, and I thought that would be, you know, the, the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back with all these. I, I was never a, a Trump guy. I was never a QAnon guy. I was, I was never that, but I know a lot of very smart people that were, you know, and I thought that would be it. Uh, that would kill everything for it because it's martial law, you know, and, and right. throughout, since I've been involved in the alternative media, like as a, as a student of it. And now as, as, as a host, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, programmed to believe that full on martial law was coming at some point, like with, you know, tanks rolling down the street and the whole deal, it didn't happen. It was a soft well, type of, Portland. well, 
that was, I mean, they even had their own warlord, if you remember. <laughs> but, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had it in my own hometown, you know, I, and thank God I no longer go downtown. I mean, this is the closest I get to downtown in these studios. I mean, we're right. over in the industrial district, which we're not, in, we're not really downtown. I mean, but this is considered Portland industrial. We're not in the city. We're on the other side of the bridges. We're on the other side of the river. Uh, and this is the closest I get to downtown every day. I, I now have a studio in the rural areas of, uh, of Oregon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we had it in the streets here. And what really sucks is the people, I, I've told people that, you know, I've never been a fan of, of the police state or martial law. And, I, and, and and if I talk about, though, that we need law and order for anarchy and we need law and order for people who are setting fire to the buildings, some guy told me that I was deep-throating the jackboot. Hmm. And I wanted to just tell him to, you know, go to hell because I'm not. But what I'm saying is, is that we got to have some order, right? And no, martial law does not have to be declared to bring order to an area unless it is completely out of control. No, it could be contained and and you contain it with police and 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 you contain it with uh, enforcing of laws and the pressing of charges. Our attorney general is not pressing charges with anyone who tears down buildings and burns down buildings in the city. Hmm. And so law and order is not even available. I mean, we're we're basically Gotham. We are Gotham and all we need is a Batman and we don't have one. So what do we do? We just let it happen. And uh, and that's why, you know, I always hear people call my show and say, you know, blood's going to flow from the tree of Liberty, 1776, uh, blah, 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 blah. And right. I say, okay, when's it going to happen? Mm. Not that I want it to happen. Right. Not that I want my country to turn into a bloodbath, but these people talk a big, big, they talk a big talk, but I, but none of them have done it. Yeah. The only people that did it is when January 6th, when they attempted to go to the Capitol. And even though most people that I talked with there said it was a peaceful protest, that small little group, that one guy that, that that dressed up like a a, a damn where the wild things are moron with a blue and red face, <laughs> you and he's sounding like a surfer that. dude going, uh, "I'm Q, I'm I'm a Q medicine man shaman dude." <laughs> That's what we have as our what our insurrectionists. Seriously, they want us to believe that these are our insurrectionists. This represents those who wanted to what I call do a democratic check of the election. They turned it into an insurrection, okay? They were calling it a coup. Right. I mean, it's not a coup. A coup is where you remove a sitting president and you tell him to leave the, leave the White House, and they did that. But it wasn't those guys on January 6th that did that. It was the Pentagon that did that. It was Nancy Pelosi that did that. That was a coup. And it's not that I'm a fan of Trump or a fan of Biden or anything. If you want to play by the rules of by what law and what definitions are, the coup would be to oust a president. And they did. President Trump was not president for two weeks. We were under the control of the Pentagon. We were under control of the Joint Chiefs. And, and they were oh, waiting to put mean. Biden in. Okay. okay? Mm -hmm. the, what happened was a Democratic check that turned into an insurrection. I got you. But it was an insurrection against the election and the electoral, the, the, the election results. It had nothing to do with the president. It had nothing to do with government. And so all these whining liberal morons are saying, oh, my God, they were going to kill us all. You know what? That's what government is, guys. And if you don't want the job, get out of it. Don't be a part of it. If you're going to be controversial, if you're going to keep the people from hearing the truth, if you're not going to let that valve, which is the internet, let that let it do its job by blocking us on Facebook and blocking us on YouTube and blocking us on Twitter, if you're not going to let that little uh, that, that that valve let off that steam, you're going to have more January 6th. That's going to happen more than you realize because 
keeping the people from speaking their minds and having the other side of the story is what created January 6th. And I blame the media. I blame social media. I, I don't blame those people that went to the Capitol. I blame the media. The media, they, they meddled in the election. They've meddled into the election, and, they, and, and they're responsible for why we're in the situation we're in right now. And they won't say it, but the legacy media is doing it. And they don't even – I think they realize that they have that much control of the talking points and the algorithms of this country. I, it's I bad. Think, um, I think the media did have a, 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 a hand in it. I also think yes. what happened on January 6th was uh, a, a shining example of the control that they have over all of us. Um, right. That all of those people showed up there thinking that they can actually do right. something. If if uh, if we stop and look at some of the interviews that went down when they spoke to these people, they were like, "We're taking our country back. We're taking our country well, what, back." Okay, it's a, it's a, but what radical leader? What radical leader can you point to that said they were taking the country back? You well, can't. You well, can't. Right. Uh, you can't. Mm-hmm. What radical leader? There was no, Alex Jones wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people of Patriot Prayer weren't doing it. The the Proud Boys weren't doing it. There was a whole group of people that didn't have a leader. They were going after the Capitol. Right. But yet they make um, it sound as though that they did have a leader. They make it sound as though it was a white supremacist takeover. And that's the thing that bothers me about this, Billy Ray, is that there was no there was no significant leader of this battle, meaning that the American people, at least that group of Americans, were fed up. And they didn't need a leader to be fed up. And that's the point. They had no one to circle around. But what does the other side have? They have... The, the groups like Black Lives Matter, they have the groups like Antifa, they have the anarchic uh, black bloc, and they have the support of the Democratic Party. Well, they I, have I, their leadership. Yeah, I, I think um, they had a perceived leader. They thought it was Donald Trump. And, and that's why I they guess. went there. Donald, Donald Trump uh, uh, asked yeah. everybody to show up on that day, and that's why they went. But but well, see, that's uh, what they, did. That. They, they, right. made, they made Donald Trump the leader of those groups. Right, but, right. Right. No, right. He, well, he wasn't. He was the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. People were rallying around him because he was already the the charismatic leader. But there was no, there was no. Uh, what I can see, there was no person. There was not a person who generated that movement. There was no real gener- uh, head dude that generated the movement to do this. No. Donald Trump did not sit down at the White House and say, "Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to organize these people to come." He wasn't doing that. He was there. He spoke it. He said what he said. And he probably rallied the troops or he he rallied his supporters because they were so excited. But I have a feeling that what this was, that this was a uh, this was a grassroots groundswell of the anger of being shut down and told they can't speak. And they and they spoke, you know, you push people over the edge and they'll do it. I mean, when you have stuff going on in your cities and there's no prosecution, when you have buildings being burned down, when you have trashed cities and you have people afraid to go on their streets you'll find a groundswell of people that'll do just that i mean did you see the movie v for vendetta did you see what happened with that that's exactly what happened on january 6th and and it's because you don't need a a political leader to jump up and say what they're saying donald trump was called that leader because he was the president of the united states but he was supposed to represent everybody and we were told he didn't that's the whole point so let me give you my take on this and then I, i want your thoughts Okay. What I'm about to say. All right. So um, while while there was no actual leader, I think you're right. He was the perceived leader, but it was a perception that came from somewhere else altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came from uh, the likes of uh, of a Cambridge Analytica and a QAnon, mm-hmm. you know, and that that fostered that attitude and that frame of thinking, you know, that got people to be there on the on the sixth. 
without really knowing um, the, the laws of the land in that they were fully expecting Mike Pence to overturn the election that day. I know. Right. Any, anybody that knows anything about and, and, and I'm not claiming to be an expert by any stretch. But, right. And when but it didn't that, happen, then what? Right. That was when the it thing. When didn't though. happen, then what? They, they all. Yeah, I mean, what go, they've go ahead, done. They, I'm sorry. They made Donald oh, Trump fine. Jim Jones. They, they, <laughs> they needed they needed to give justification for the cult of the other side. And they created uh, a Jim Jones and Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. A cult of personality. He was always a cult of personality. Right, right. But the problem that I have now is that they're not letting go of that cult of personality. No. Donald Trump is not the Republican Party, and they're making him the Republican Party. I always thought that Ronald Reagan exemplified everything the Republicans should exemplify, or what have you. I always thought that the the you know the Bush families, their dynasty was something that the Republicans were. But now we have a Donald Trump. Republican Party, which I think, you know, let go. Okay. Let go of that. Let go of that moment. You know, be satisfied with what you did. Be satisfied with what you have, but they're not, they're not satisfied and they want to continue to do this. And I don't think that's right either. I I think that the memory of just the feeling you had of the frustration. I mean, that's the thing that I don't miss about Trump is the frustration you had about a president who wanted so badly to be a good president, but no one would let him do it. No one. No one would let him do it. He was running into walls, building walls, running into walls, building walls. He said he didn't know how to speak right about the rioting and the trouble and anything. He didn't know what to say. He often came off as being you know, racist and pompous and vociferous and bellicose and all these things. Would that make him a bad man? I don't know. But, you know, he never got a chance to be a good president, ever. Every time I would hear the news, it was always it, it was always basically disparaging him, kicking him. Every tweet was part of the newscast, everything. I don't miss that. Have you ever noticed how boring, how boring our new president is? Joe Biden is yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he is, is boring. so boring. It's like you've gone from, you know, uh, intense heat to complete cold. And it's it's scary that it's that way. And people are thinking... Oh, at least he's not Trump. Well, that's the kind of attitude that ruins countries, really. Right. You know, you have a guy that you think was bad. You want him gone. You voted him out. You did your, you did your, you did whatever you did, regardless of whether or not the, the voting's legitimate. You have a, a presidency that people don't believe in, but it's always been that way. He's not my president, not my president, not my president. They said that about every president that's been around. We've never had a president that people have agreed upon as being a president for the people. And I think. I think if we continue to think that we do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result and we don't get it, it's called insanity. <laughs> it's called psychopathy. It's called psychopathy. It's called we are out of our ever loving freaking minds. <laughs> and, and that's why I can't stand politics is because right. it's theater for the ugly. And it's creating this tribal, this tribalism in America that we really don't need right now. You know, people say, Wow, you know, back when 9-11 happened, we all got together with common cause and we all agreed on on everything back then. I didn't see it that way. You know what I saw? I saw that 9-11 brought us together because of one thing, hate. We hated another country. We hated two leaders and that's what brought us together. And that's the thing is we need to all equally hate something in order for us to come together. So looks like uh, another war with a country like Russia or China 
And even then, that's going to divide us. Look what's going on in Palestine and Israel right now. Have you noticed how CNN and all these other groups are now pro-Palestine? And, and it's weird because usually America's pro, it's across the board, pro-Israel. Yeah. But now it's not anymore. Now we're in this, in this moment in time where it used to be, you'd say, well, you know, Israel does a lot of crappy things. Oh, you're an anti-Semite. Now it's Israel does a lot of crappy things. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's bad or good. What I'm saying is, is the attitude has changed because of why? The algorithm. The attitude has changed because of why? Wow, because we're being manipulated. Because, right? because CNN has decided that anything that appears to be conservative, whether the conservatives are for Israel or not, is considered anathema. It's heresy. And they would, they would embrace the devil. If conservatives, and they are, yeah. <laughs> they're embracing the devil because conservatives say you, you should embrace the devil. So they're going to be embracing the devil. If the devil signs the checks, then by God, I'm going to cash those checks. <laughs> it's so weird what kind of life we're living right now. Well, it's let, weird. Let me tell you a couple of things, but before we transition to our next subject, and, and then we're okay. going to, we're going to, we're going to close out. Okay. Um, but uh, as far as Trump goes, right. I, I think he did serve his purpose. I, I think his purpose was to divide. And he divided better than anyone in my, since I've been alive, sure. I don't know about before, right. you know, I, I can make uh, assumptions, but since I've been alive, he's divided better than just about anyone and what he was able to he's do. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. what he was able to do for sure was reincorporate people into the left, right paradigm and thinking that they have a choice in the matter. Everybody, you right. said you, you, people are united through hate. You said, and you're absolutely yeah, right. Well, I, yeah, I agree. Donald Trump. <laughs> so either, either you love them or you hate them and, there you go. Come on. Exactly. There was no, there was no sitting on the fence with him. I just didn't want to talk about it because I, somebody had said to me once, they said, well, you hardly do any shows criticizing Donald Trump. I said, the reason why is because the mainstream media did a better job than I would ever to <laughs> criticize him and tell him he's a bozo. <laughs> I remember one time though, I called both um, Joe Biden and Donald Trump old farts. I said, they're all old farts. What the hell are we thinking? And this guy who was this regular on my show called me and chewed my ass out because I said this. And I mean, I got death threats. I got all kinds of things done to me because I commented that both guys were morons. Oh both guys don't deserve the spit off my off my shoe. And it's <laughs> like, you can't say that. You right. can't say that you're trying to be objective. You can't say that, you know, Trump has some bad problems. Trump has some good points. He has some bad points as well. You can't say that it's either all good or all bad. Well, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. And like right now, I talk about Joe Biden, put him in a sentence. Everybody thinks that if I'm putting Joe Biden in a sentence, it's because I'm criticizing him. Not always, but I do know how Joe Biden operates because he's been a, around a politician for 45 years, and I know exactly how he operates. And so I can basically outwit him and say, oh, okay, so he's bringing this up because he's got a bill he wants to go through, and he wants the media to kind of generate this angst about domestic terrorism. Did you know they issued a warning today for the Department of Homeland Security saying there's no specific threat but there's going to be violence in the streets. And who do you think they blamed it on? White supremacy. Domestic terrorists, right? This is, God, this is just getting out of hand. Because the, in the meantime, we have all these other groups that have been terrorizing and burning down places. But now we have to worry about, you know, these organized groups like white supremacists and KKK. But do you realize that the white supremacists and KKK in this country are probably like 1% of the population? And we're afraid of it. It's like when people say, well, you know, those Muslims, what they do, 1% of the Muslims out there are the ones that hate America. The rest, they wait for us to come to help them out. Agreed. I, I just think that we have these, we have these weird views and the statistics, same with COVID-19. When you have 
a disease that has like a 2% mortality rate. 2%, even less than that. And we're wearing masks and we're telling people, wear your mask or you're going to kill somebody. Chances are you're not going to kill somebody if you don't wear a mask. Chances are, sure, you're going to pass COVID-19, but they're going to lie in bed. They're going to drink their juice. They're going to shut up. They're going to watch a lot of Oprah and they're going to wake up and feel better in the next couple of days. That's the way it is. Okay. <laughs> but nobody thinks that because what we got from China was people throwing up in the streets and passing out and being wheeled away in, in, in bio suits. Never happened in the United States. I don't remember seeing anything like that happening where people were wheeled away in bio suits, throwing up in the streets, blood and everything. It's just the way it's packaged. It's the way it's sent to us. And I think that when did we wake up one day and realize that we wanted to live a no-risk life? Sure, we, we do things to keep from getting sick. We do things to keep from, I mean, you're not going to throw yourself in front of a bus and say, I'm just going to take my chances. <laughs> but we live, we live lives of risk every time we walk outside. You know, grandma, grandma and grandpa, grandma has a bad back. But does that stop her from playing bingo every Saturday? No. Grandpa uses a walker to go go check the mail. Why? Because he loves to check the mail and he gets to move around. But you know what? Using the, the kind of logic they're using right now, both grandma and grandpa should be scrapped, strapped to a gurney and fed morphine for the rest of their lives because they have back pain. Do you know why they go to the bingo game? Do you know why they go to the mailbox? Because the pain is worth the risk. Right, right. Because they enjoy living. And that's the problem. We have forgotten how to live. We've forgotten how to love. And we've forgotten how to have human dignity. And it's because of these bastards, these technocrats, that have been programming us with fear and death and sickness and hatred. And we need to be able to break that cycle. Agreed. Um, what would life be if we couldn't lose it? Right? right. Um, that's the whole deal, right? Yeah. You, you, you want to hold on to it for as long as you can. And you want to do the most in the time that you have. Right. Um, because it's not you're not promised tomorrow. So you want to be able to do the most uh, that you right. can with it. So um, I don't think people who wear masks and everything else, they can do that if they want to take precautions. But leave people alone. Right. That feel as though that they can get over their lives without having to without wear having to do it. It's, it's, it's micromanaging a reality yeah. is what's leave going on alone. now. Yeah. 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 And, and um, just just to tie this up with a with, with a bow. And then I'm going to ask you your thoughts on uh, what you think COVID is. And then we'll get up out of here. But, um, you know, I just want to reinforce uh, the idea that when when people go to uh, to the Capitol on January 6th, thinking that they're going to cause a revolution or when people think that martial law should be a thing, you know, and you said it earlier in the broadcast, you said um, they're 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 setting us up. It's all mental manipulation in order to get us to think what, what they think, what they want us to think. And they want us to be a, be a, uh, stay at home and order every, everything from Amazon. They want us, they want to know that they can get us to go along with martial law if they want. Yeah. And they were able to pull that off because there was a large sector of society that was like, yeah, let's do martial law. So I never thought I'd see anything like that. No, you you sound like you got something to say. So go ahead and no, say, I'm it just saying, you know, you're right. It's a self-imposed arrest house arrest. We, yeah. we arrested ourselves and put ourselves in our homes like little prisons. Mm -hmm. uh, people demanded martial law. They don't know what martial law is. You yeah. know, you demand martial law. You don't know what that means. So mm -hmm. quit demanding it. Uh, if you want martial law, try living in Argentina during the dirty war. Try living mm -hmm. in Venezuela. Try living in these countries that do have tanks in the streets. That do have the, the troops marching in and do shoot at you. If you even look at them the wrong way, that's martial law. Right. Uh, you want blue helmets in your cities? Continue doing what you're doing. That's exactly <laughs> what they want. They want us to 
to be ungovernable. And when we're ungovernable, they'll have people come in and they'll govern us. And they will do so by shooting you on site. They'll do so by having you rendering your papers. They'll do so by having you wearing passports or, you know, it's like, what did they do to the Jews in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s? Hey, put a little star on you to remind us who you are. And then when the trains show up, you know where you're going. And that's the problem. Yeah. People don't see history repeating itself, and it is. And the minute you start giving these drastic measures and talking about where it can lead, the slippery slope, you're immediately labeled a conspiracy theorist and alarmist. But no, someone's got to say it because people are forgetting history. We're highly entertained. But we don't have enough education to understand why things are the way they are. Well said. So do you think COVID-19 is a bioweapon? Do you think it's natural? Do you think it exists? And tell me something. Yes, I do. COVID-19 exists. Of course it does. Uh, I think it's a technology. I think uh, it's a technology that was created in a lab. Yes. I think it was released in a gain of function exercise. I think it's a gain of, it's, it's a gain of function exercise because of the mortality. Mortality was 1.22 or whatever are not factors around two or three or four, which, uh, and herd immunity can be achieved around 60 or 70%. That is nothing compared to what they could have released something with a 15% mortality something that would have an R-naught factor of eight, something that would uh, have to force us into herd immunity to about 98% or 80%. They're saying 70%. Saying 70% herd immunity with vaccines. That's pretty, that's pretty damn generous. That means that even though you're going to have vaccines, that there, there may be 20, 30% of the population we still get COVID. But if they do, then COVID has no other place to go. And so it eventually dies out mm. or it eventually becomes less lethal. But it's going to be with us forever. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to get with the program and understand that COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is going to be with us forever, just like AIDS, just like everything else and new emergency diseases. These things are going to be with us forever, and we can't be afraid forever. We've got to understand that our bodies have immune systems. Immune systems are there to fight off these things. Immune systems are there that when you get them, you cannot get them again. And a vaccine is supposed to help the process. But the vaccines they're giving us, specious at best of what the ingredients are, we don't know what they're doing to our DNA, and that's the problem. And hesitancy is not a crime. It's not a moral failing. It's common sense. It's absolutely common sense. Very well said, Mr. Clyde Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, Ground Zero. Hope everybody enjoyed the interview. Clyde, not that you need me to plug anything, but go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. Go ahead. Just put friend. in a quarter and I'll wipe the world for you. That's pretty much <laughs> I don't know. I just... I don't know. I just, you, it just sets me off and I'm glad I'm able to vent with you and I'm glad you're able to vent with me. And that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, it's like, what else are you going to do? But talk about it, try to be better to each other, try to love one another yeah. and try to be human again. That's the whole point. Let's be human again. It's, it's something that I think we need to work on. And it's sad because we've had a year to forget how to be human beings. Now we have to pick up our feet again and be human beings to one another and love each other regardless of skin color or regardless of whether you're poor or rich or whatever. Love is something. We need to have empathy. We have an empathy gap right now for the races, an empathy gap for people who are poor or rich or whatever. Right. We need to have that empathy for each other. Agreed 100%. Thank you for joining the Infinite Fringe. You hold on for just a second if you don't mind, sir. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. This is the Infinite Fringe on Aftermath.fm, on Apple Podcasts, and on Iconic. Ladies and gentlemen, so go check it out wherever you see fit. Hey, listen, I'm taking off. I will see you guys next week, Lord willing. Don't burn the place down while I'm gone, okay? Take it easy.